Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Would you read this with me, 2 Corinthians 5, 17? Let's read together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. And then I love the words of Isaiah. Listen to what Isaiah says. Isaiah says in Isaiah 43, he says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Even now, it springs up within you. And yes, you can read with me. Let's do it together. From behold, behold, I am doing a new thing. Even now, it springs up within you. Do you not perceive it? And this is the word for us. The Lord is doing a new thing in us. And it's like, man, don't we say that every year? I'm like, yes, because every year the Lord, he's doing something new. There's the mission that he's given us to love, to, uh, to make disciples and, and to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor. Those things are true, but there's a new work that he does in us. And we see this so often in Revelation when we read about, uh, about the bowing before the Lord and just day and night never ceasing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And that scripture came alive to me because I remember as a kid when I heard that, I thought, man, heaven's going to be so boring. Why would, you know, I believe in God. I want to go there. But if all I'm going to do day in, day and night is just say the same text over and over and over again, I mean, is that really God? Until someone shared this with me. Until someone shared with me that the reason why they do this, because every time they look up to God, they get a fresh revelation of who he is. is was, your fresh, was your first revelation of God all that you ever learned about God? For me, it wasn't. I mean, it's like what, what was, it's like what God said to Moses, where, when Moses said, show me your glory. It's like, if I were to show you everything, it would, it would kill you, it would destroy you. The Lord is doing a new thing. We have things that we need to dive into, whether we're new in faith or whether we've been serving the Lord for decades. And my prayer is the same prayer of of Isaiah, that we would not miss it, that we would not miss it, that we would engage in prayer. You know, my my home church that I grew up in, um, I grew up in a family that when the doors were open, we went. Anybody grew up in a family like that? You went. And, it, and by going, it was more than what we do today. Like, like, like today, we're trying to get people to go to one service a week on a Sunday morning, right? But when I grew up, we had Sunday morning church, we had Sunday night church, we had Royal Rangers, we had prayer service, we had youth group, we had all these things going on. And, and we were always there, and my parents were always there. And what I remember, and don't worry, that's not my strategy for this year is to have you here every day of the week, okay? So stay, stay with me. But one of the things that I remember is every Sunday morning and every Sunday night when I would go, and for, for my dad, on time is a half hour early, and if you're there on time, you're, you're late. How many are with me in that, right? You just, if you're there five minutes before, you, there's, there's some anxiety in your life. And how many of you are like, if I'm there five minutes before, I'm anxiety because I'm like, I could have been doing something else. I could have been, you know. But for me, I was there half hour early and so many other people, and as soon as the door opened, I heard people praying, just flooding the altars, and they were crying out prayers of petition. God, would you do this work in my life? I heard, I heard uh, predominantly men. I'm not making a statement in that. Just uh, in my uh, home church, predominantly men uh, crying out prayers of confession and repentance. <laughs> and if you listen to the prayers, you knew why. There were, uh, it was basically the hockey team, the men's league hockey team that was at the altars asking the Lord for forgiveness for how they behaved the night before playing hockey. 
<laughs> Which is awesome, right? I mean, what a, what a great place to be to where, you know, I heard men say, Lord, forgive me what I said last night. And I'm like, yeah, that's why my dad doesn't let me go watch men's league on Saturday night. Uh, Lord, forgive me for hurting that guy. Forgive, I mean, you heard, you heard it all. And that's why we have the body of Christ coming in. And all those prayers are good. All those are important. And they're essential for us to, to, to have. And, and, and when we talk about prayer, this, this is what it is. But when we look at the life of Jesus, when we look at what prayer means and all those things are there, there are times you cry, there are times those petitionary prayers, those prayers of repentance, those times where you're saying, God, just let me pray to you, Lord, move in this person's life, heal our brother who's sick, do all this. We need to have that. When you look at the life of Jesus, that uh, one of the things that stands out in, the, in Jesus' practice of prayer was how quiet it was. So much of Jesus' prayer life was quiet. Now, I'm not saying don't be loud. I'm, I'm pretty loud. I mean, people who meet me knew, like I was at this, 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 uh, this conference just a few weeks ago where we went together, and there were several pastors staying at the same hotel, and, and we get up, and after the first morning, they're like, yeah, Dwayne, we know when you're coming because we can hear you. <laughs> you're saying hi to somebody, or you're doing this, or whatever. So this is not a condemnation against those who, who talk loud and who are excited and get excited about their morning coffee. This is, this is just an observation of Jesus saying that his prayer was often quiet. Jesus' prayer life was often marked by times of solitude when he turned everything off. He turned everything off. Jesus had times when everything in his life, including his disciples, were turned off. And his solitude, his time alone when, with God, was a regular part of his Jesus, the Son of God's spiritual discipline. And this regular habit of solitude, I think is especially interesting when you think about the life of Christ, knowing that his earthly ministry lasted three years. How many years? Three years. So his assignment, his mission, was to transform humanity and to do it all in three years. Now think about that timeline when we lay it over other disciplines that we have, right? When you think about a doctor, you know, if you went to a doctor and they said, yeah, I just went to school for three years and I learned everything and now I'd like to do something major in your body. I mean, you would be looking for other things. You'd be probably trying to change your health plan. You know, you'd be, you'd be doing a lot of things because when you look at, at what a doctor does, right? A doctor, four years of university, then four years of med school, and then three to seven years of residency that can get that, depending on the disciplines that they're in, they spend so much time doing that. But yet, for Jesus, if I was thinking about, you know, if I was given, if God said, Dwayne, I want you to transform Shoreline, not the whole world, just I want, I'm going to use you to transform Shoreline, and you got three years, would I be spending all that time in solitude? Would I be spending that time getting away? I mean, I'd probably be like, all right, team, we're going to be meeting 6 a.m. Monday morning. I want you there sharp because we got a job to do. And we're going to be there 6 a.m. Tuesday morning and 6 a.m. Wednesday morning because we have three years. Three years. Would I be like Jesus and taking the time to get away? Taking the time to get away. Taking the time to be quiet. I mean, think about how oftentimes you get so busy. You're like, well, I'm so busy. I can't go to Encounter next week, or I can't go to service this morning, or I can't engage with that, or I can't be part of a group because I got stuff to do. I need places to go. I can't do that. But yet Jesus, in his discipline, he often, to the criticism of his disciples, they're like, where's Jesus going? He's like, well, you go that way, you know? And if it were me, I'd be like, well, first tell me, disciples, which way you're going. You're going that way? Okay, I'm going to go this way. And even sometimes when we try to get with people, have you ever tried to get with somebody and they were hard to get with? You're like, well, woo, 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 who do you think you are? (laughs) 
Jesus never felt bad about that. Because prayer is vitally important. Why is prayer so important? Why is prayer so important? Why is it the thing that the disciples said, Jesus, show us how to pray. Show me what to do. Prayer is so important because before God can use us, the first thing that God needs to do is he needs to transform us. He needs to change us. And I'm not talking about just salvation. I'm not talking about just someone who says, I believe in Jesus, I confess my sins, and I'll follow him. But now there's this transformative work. There's this work of sanctification in our life. There's this work of God building and moving in our life in order to use us. You know, God, God doesn't use broken tools. He takes the tool and he makes it whole. He fixes it. Because we're all broken. Anybody here not broken, raise your hand. We'll put you in charge of shoveling next week. But I mean, have you ever tried to shovel snow with a broken shovel? Right? And this during the season, you're probably going to break a shovel. A, a broken shovel does not work very well. I mean, have, have you ever tried to lift something with a broken arm? I have. It doesn't work. You ever tried to drive with a flat tire? You ever tried to get up a hill with broken wheels? You know, I think Richard Foster says it best. In his classic book on prayer, Richard Foster says it this way. He says, to pray is to change. This is a great grace. How good of God to provide a path whereby our lives can be taken over by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Listen to what he says next. He says, the movement inward comes first. Because without interior transformation, the movement up into God's glory would overwhelm us. And the movement out into ministry would destroy us. Think about that. Without that transformative, without that inward movement first, the movement up into God's glory would overwhelm us. And the movement out into ministry would destroy us. And even as I say that, you can probably think about examples of maybe in your own life where has ministry ever been overwhelming to you? And I think one of the great criticisms that we often hear from those who don't follow Christ is they'll look at people, they'll look at ministries that were overwhelmed, people who have been crushed and destroyed that my heart goes out to. And they'll say, well, why did they do that? Why did that happen? And I'm not here to criticize them today. I'm just here to say God has a mission for us, for you, for me. And if we do not engage in this inward work, we're going to be overwhelmed or we're going to be destroyed as we step out into the ministry that he has. See, we put a lot of emphasis in activity because activity makes us feel good. It's like, look what I accomplished. How many of you love, like in the beginning of the year, probably on New Year's Eve, you already got your new planner. How many of you got your new 2022 planner already? I do. All right. How many of you start filling it out? You got goals put in there. How many of you got check boxes in there already, right? Come on, people, with me. Am I the only one? Okay. Because why? You have things to do. You have things, things that God has told you. I mean, God told me these things. God placed these things in my heart, and I have them here. And we get a lot of just affirmation from that. And we know that faith without works is what? Dead. There needs to be works. There needs to be things that we're engaging in. There needs to be ways that we're moving forward in the Lord. Faith without works is dead. But habits are changed in our life, as, and habits are changed in our life as we obediently walk after God. There needs to be feet to our faith. If there's no feet to our faith, there's no faith. There needs to be feet to your faith. But before we move, as we sit here on January 2nd today, before we, knew, we move, we need to hear God. 
We need to hear God because activity without God is empty and it lacks the power to create the change that is needed in our lives, in our world. So many times people will say, well, I'm not experiencing the power. I'm not experiencing it. Tell me about your prayer life. Tell me about those times with the Lord. Tell me about those times when you're hearing from God. And what is, it's those two questions of every disciple, right? What is God speaking to you and what are you going to do about it? And if the answer to that first question is, what is God speaking to you? going, I don't know. I can't hear him. Guess what you work on as a disciple? Hearing God. I want to hear you more. I need to hear you. Because we need to put feet to our faith But we often fail to experience God's power in our life because we're not listening to God's voice in our life. And this is where prayer comes in. Prayer is essential because it's in those times of prayer, it's in those times of getting away where we sort out the voice of God from the voice of the enemy. How many voices are in this world? Two. Now, they may be manifested in a lot of different ways, right? But there's essentially, everything comes down to two sources, the voice of God And there's the voice of the enemy, Satan, right? Some say there's two angels, the good angel and the bad angel. There's two wolves, the good wolf and the bad wolf. Whichever one you feed is the one that grows. I mean, there's lots of analogies about it. But everything comes down to two voices. And our lives are filled with so many voices, both externally and internally. But the voice that controls you the most, the voice that controls me the most, is it the external or the internal? It's the internal voice. See, I can shut off the external voice. I can turn off my AirPods. I can turn off my Bluetooth speaker. I can turn off my radio. But the voice that cannot be turned off is that internal voice. There's always an internal voice going on. And this is the hardest one to control, and it needs to be controlled by the power of God. But without the power of God in our lives, the internal voice typically has two themes. Feed the flesh, Right? I want this, I need this, I want to do this, is that what that flesh, that flesh part of us that we talked about earlier in, in this fall. Or it's a voice of condemnation. You're no good. I saw what you did. I did. Now again, remember, Holy Spirit convicts, Satan condemns us. Conviction, confession, redemption. With Satan, condemnation, destruction, death. And without that control from the Holy Spirit, We'll constantly be listening to the voice to feed our flesh in condemnation. This is why prayer helps us, because prayer sorts it out. But prayer, this the type of prayer that I'm talking about, this, this prayer of solitude, it's not just an easy type of prayer. It's often brutal. Have you ever had any brutal prayer sessions where it's just you and the Lord? I have. One of the books that I've been reading over this past fall uh, very slowly, I, you know, I, there's books that I just kind of breeze through and I love reading, but John Mark Comer's book, Live No Lies, he, he talks about prayer this way. He says this, he says, a lot of people misunderstand silence and solitude as a place to relax and recharge, a kind of emotional break for introverts to catch their breath before they return to the fray of life. But that is not the solitude of Jesus or the Apostle Paul. For them, It wasn't a break from the battle. It was a field on which the battle was won or lost. Think about that. It's not a place to relax and just recharge, though there are those times of relaxation, there are those times of recharging, but the kind of transformative prayer that we're talking about, it's a battleground that we engage in. I mean, how many times, I mean, think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, just the way that he was praying, just the agony that he was going through the whole time while his disciples were just sleeping failing to engage with that brutal process. 
One of my other favorite authors, Henry Nouwen, says it this way. Henry Nouwen says, solitude is not a private therapeutic place. Solitude is the furnace of transformation. Solitude is the furnace of transformation. He says, without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false self. See, prayer is the thing that exposes the devil's lies and our false impressions and the lack of understanding of ourself. It's during our times of prayer that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and reveals the areas that we need to work in. It's during our prayer life that the Lord strengthens us, he gives us direction, and he gives us the confidence that we need to move forward in the calling of our life. It all comes from prayer. The battle for our mind is won by God as we faithfully and consistently pull away and get alone with God in prayer. And it's a brutal process for those of you that have engaged in it. Refreshment comes, yes, strengthening comes, all those things come in. But when there's work to be done in your life, and anybody here need to have work that you're saying, Lord, do this work in my life, it can be a brutal, it is a brutal process. Or maybe I'm the only sinner saved by grace. See, they're powerful and transformative. It's a furnace. It's the thing that, that prepares us. We've heard this, this statement so many times in, in, throughout COVID that, that crisis doesn't often create character as it reveals the character. When someone is poked, what comes out is what's been soaked in there. See, the poke reveals how you've been soaked. I just made that up. When someone pokes you, the things that have been happening come out. And there are times I've been poked that I've been ashamed of things that have come out. Anybody here ever been ashamed of that? You're like, Lord, help me. Forgive me. Help me to walk in this way better. But we need it. Prayer transforms us. It uses us. It's that furnace that we're in. But we often miss the power that is afforded to us in prayer. And why is that? It's the great challenge in prayer. What's the great challenge in prayer? Waiting. It's so hard to wait. It's, it's so hard to wait now. Some of you are waiting for lunch. And I just made that more difficult for you. See, the great challenge in prayer is waiting. And this is what Jesus says to his disciples. On the very night, he said to his disciples, couldn't you even pray with me for just one hour? Couldn't you pray for one hour? I've been telling you what's happened. I've been telling you how things are going to go. I've been telling you. And you even asked me, Jesus, show us how to pray. And in the very moment that we come together, you couldn't even wait one hour. You couldn't pray one hour. See, we struggle with patience. We often say, we've heard say, I tried prayer, nothing happened. Forget that. Have you heard that? Have you ever thought that? You know, Dad, I'm praying and nothing's working. It didn't happen. I asked for it and Jesus didn't give it to me. It's one of the great complaints of people that when you're sharing Christ, the people that often complain, well, I tried prayer and it didn't work, so there must not be a God. I prayed for more of this, or I prayed for this to be healed, or I prayed for whatever. We struggle with it. You know, but think about this in other disciplines in our life, right? And a lot of these, these may connect with some of your New Year's resolutions, right? A lot of us, we want to be healthier. I've got some COVID poundage to get rid of. But we know that one healthy meal doesn't change your body, does it? I had a very healthy meal last week, <laughs> surrounded by a lot of other things. As it relates to a relationship, we know that one conversation doesn't fix a relationship. 
If you're able to fix a relationship in one conversation, you can monetize that. <laughs> you can fund ministry internationally. One conversation doesn't fix a relationship. One piano lesson, I'm a pianist, one piano lesson doesn't make you a pianist. And I'm going to say something that I want you to hang with me in this because the, because as I was going through and I was thinking about this and I was praying through this and I was studying this, at first I was like, <gasps> but so hang with me in this. Don't, don't tweet this and go, Dwayne's a heretic, okay? Praying one prayer doesn't make you a devoted follower of Christ. <gasps> what? Praying one prayer doesn't make you a devoted follower of Christ. Now let me explain that. Because so many things fall short. I mean, these are all great starts. The longest road begins with what? A single step. <laughs> we have all kinds of platitudes and cliches that we can throw in there. The longest journey begins with one step. Regaining my health, it, it, it needs to begin with a single healthy meal, right? Restoring a broken relationship, it begins by having that first conversation. And often that first conversation is the toughest one when you're like, you either need to say, I'm sorry, or you need to forgive somebody else. And both can be very difficult depending on the circumstance. And following Christ, yes, it begins by humbling ourselves. It begins by asking forgiveness and surrendering our lives to him. But in every area of our lives, true change physically, relationally, mentally, and spiritually, it requires a commitment to the daily practices that transform our life. Jesus even said one of the most scariest things I think is in the Bible when many on that day would say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this and didn't I do this and I called it your name here? And Jesus would say, depart from me. I don't know you. He's not saying, I don't know about you. He's just saying, you weren't following me in that. There are people that say empty prayers all the time. Even in our own walk of faith, we often struggle with it, don't we? It's that daily practice that we need to get in. See, nothing is more powerful than prayer, but prayer is transformative because it builds our relationship to God. That when we say that prayer, we need to walk it out because faith without works is dead. We can say things. People say things all the time that aren't true. People tweet things all the time. People post things on social media all the time that are not true, but they're out there forever. Bowing our hearts to Jesus is the beginning of a journey that we walk in and that we move forward. And when we don't, it becomes part of the confusion for the world that we're in. They're like, you say you follow Jesus, but are you really following him? Just like an athlete that never shows up to practice, like an athlete that never eats healthy, that an athlete that does not discipline their body towards those things, they eventually fall away. They're no longer an athlete. Relationships take time. And the closer we walk with God, the more that we are changed. It is a transformative work. There are things that God has done immediately in my life. When we ask forgiveness, I am immediately forgiven. When I surrender to the Lord, I am immediately now his child. In that moment, I'm immediately saved. I'm immediately, my soul is secure with him. But there's a transformative work that needs to take place. Isn't there? Do any of you have things that you still struggle with, even though you've given your life to Christ? Do any of you have habits, hurts, and things that are going on? We have a lot of ministries just for that. We have pure desire ministries. We have, uh, we have uh, ministries like Celebrate Recovery that's no longer meeting here. We're looking for leadership. Maybe God will put that in your heart this year to lead. But we continue to support that and to send people in so many ways. 
Why? Because there's a transformative work that God needs to do in our life. And prayer, it draws us closer to the Lord. See, it's the conversation that keeps it alive. I mean, what flourishing relationship exists in your life without a regular conversation? Right? I tell my wife and my kids every day, I love you. Now, I could say, well, I told you I love you the day I married. Isn't that enough? Would our relationship flourish that way? No. Would my relationship with my kids flourish if I never told them I loved them except the day they were born? Would my relationship with Jesus flourish if I never prayed after that salvation prayer of forgiveness? See, that's a commodity relationship. That's like, I don't want to go to hell. (laughs) I believe in God's good, so I'm going to pray the prayer, but now I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. That's not a follower of Christ. Now, if we struggle in those things, there's a difference in struggle and a difference in ignoring somebody. That's why prayer is so important. Talking, listening, sharing the struggles, offering help. Offering help. I think it was one of Jesus' great lessons on prayer happened in that moment when Jesus said, couldn't you pray with me one hour? In the garden before he was arrested and crucified, the disciples, they were struggling, but they were not in agreement with the path. And I think this is a great lesson on prayer. Because have you ever prayed something and you've heard from God, but you disagreed with what God said to you? Or you disagreed with the course he had you on for transformation? Because see, often the path of transformation that God has for me, it doesn't make sense. There's times it makes sense. You get enough experience, you start seeing things coming. But there are paths that God's had me on in prayer and in transformation that did not make sense to me. Because it was hurtful, because it was painful, because it didn't make sense. Or there was things I was like, God, that's, that's not going to work because they're not, they don't want to be around me. This is the path of prayer. And here on this, on this night, the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is saying, couldn't you? Couldn't you just stay up and pray? I think the disciples, they lost hope. They're like, this is the wrong path, Jesus. We disagree with this. See, one of his last lessons on prayer was teaching them to trust God even when the path is one that they don't agree with, when they don't understand, when they're tempted even to take matters into their own hand. I mean, even down to the wire, Peter was still swinging a sword. They came to take Jesus as Jesus said that they would do, and Peter's like, no, Jesus, I'm going to grab the sword, I'm going to swing it. Raise your hand if you've ever done that (laughs) in your life. I don't agree with the Jesus, I'm going my way. Now, I don't think you're a bunch of sword swingers, but you may have done some other things to get your own way through. But see, we need to remind ourselves that God's plan is not to remove temporary, the temporary pain of sin in our life. See, we can medicate all day long. But what God is out to do is, is he is out to remove sin and the death that results in it. And at the time, they didn't understand that Jesus dying meant that death would now be swallowed up in victory. So it says in 1 Corinthians, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jesus' plan, his healing of our lives, it extends beyond today, and it goes in towards tomorrow. But in the tomorrow, we need to trust the Lord. And this all happens through prayer. But to do that, we need to be committed. We need to be committed. Commitment is what's needed. See, lack of patience often reveals a lack of, of maturity. You see somebody who's anxious? That's how we describe a child, right? They want it now. They want to eat what they want now. They don't want the asparagus. They want the chocolate orange they got in their stocking this past Christmas. I ate all of mine last night as one last act before I go down a path of health. True story. It's the great problem in the church today. It's a lack of maturity. It's a lack of patience. It's a lack of willing to stay. And it's a lack of willing to say, Lord, everything is yours. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. There's nothing I want to hold on to except you, Lord. See, through COVID, we've been sifted. We've been tested. <laughs> and the Lord has strengthened us. And I'm here to tell you, we're not the same people we were two years ago. I'm not the same pastor we were two years ago. This is not the same church we were two years ago. Still committed, still laugh, but still, still a place of love and acceptance and forgiveness and belonging. But we're different, aren't we? The Lord is strengthening us. He's preparing us for the work that he has. A lot of things are still the same. Though I'm different, I'm still funny. I'm still, I'm still Canadian. I'm still committed to reaching the world through coffee and Jesus. So many things. But the Lord is preparing us. And my, my prayer is as we go in that we, we, we would uh, say this together. Isaiah 40. Would you read this with me? Isaiah 40. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their... They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Lord, do that work in us today. Lord, so many, myself included, Lord, uh, we struggle with waiting. We can wait for a while. We can wait for a season. But Lord, then we get to the point and we say, Lord, still Lord, I'm still praying for healing. I'm still praying for all the things that concern my heart. Lord, help us to realize that it's in the waiting that we get strength. It doesn't mean we're not doing anything. You call us to move forward. But teach us, Lord, to wait. Sometimes it's walking and waiting. It's moving and waiting. It's engaging. It's still waiting. Teach us, Lord. In your name, amen. Amen. When you came in today, hopefully you grabbed, grabbed the communion cup, and I, I would invite you to, 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 to take that. And if you don't have one, we have some ushers who can get it, get it for you. I think we had some ushers who made the snowstorm. Which is funny because I would never call this a snowstorm on Facebook because my Canadian friends would just have at. <laughs> and just again, I, th I think you all know this, but this is, you know, very tricky. You just take the film up first. And I want you to take this cracker. It symbolizes the body of Jesus. And Jesus modeling the way, I, I want you to break it.
that symbolizes his body broken for us. And before you eat it, he said, Jesus said, this is my body broken for you, for that new life. The Lord is making us new, but there's often times in our life where there are things that need to be broken, to be mended. You know, when I broke my elbow, one of the things that the doctor said is, we hope it grows back straight, because if it doesn't, we're going to need to re-break it. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe there are things in your life that you're like, that the Lord is breaking you, and it may seem like it's an act of cruelty, but he's going, no, I'm breaking it so I can mend it. Just invite the Holy Spirit to speak that word to you today. Just close your eyes, just remove every distraction, just... Have a moment of solitude right here this morning and just invite the Holy Spirit to say, reveal to me, Lord, are there things in my life that I'm just, I'm hitting a wall, I'm hitting a wall and I'm feeling pain, but it's really, you're breaking me so you can mend me because, because of my own actions, because of the actions of others, there are things that have broken and they've grown back wrong. And when they grow back wrong, I, I, I still can't use it, I can't put pressure on it because it hurts but you're breaking me so you can mend me. I feel that's a word here for someone today. Holy Spirit, speak to us and show us your purpose, I pray. That when you break us, it's not to hurt us, it's to heal us. That when you cut out things, you're cutting out the dead things in us so that new life can form. But we still feel the cut. Reveal to us, Lord, things that you're cutting out of our lives. You're the great physician. Sometimes there are words that are spoken to us that are, may seem hurtful, but Lord, help us to see that you're not hurting us, you're directing us, you're guiding us, you're correcting us so that we can be made new. And then thank him for it. Thank you, Jesus, for breaking your body for us. Your body was broken. You were crucified. You, you were tortured. You went through extreme pain that we've never experienced because you loved us, because you wanted to restore us, because it wasn't enough for you to inform us, you wanted to redeem us. So we receive this now. We receive that new word from you, that revelation, that you break us to make us strong. You, you cut in our life to remove the dead things that are destroying us so that we, new life can conform. And we eat this in remembrance of you. Let's eat this bread together as we remember and we give thanks to the Lord. Amen. And then if you would take the cup, that's that next layer. I, I like to shake it a little bit. What Jesus had was much better than this. But this is just to remind us today. And when Jesus drank this, it had significance that so few of us in the Western world even can come close to understanding. But it was a reminder of the new covenant. He makes all things new. It's a new way. He gives us beauty for ashes. He gives us strength for our fear. We bring our sin, he forgives us, and he makes us new. It's a covenant, but there's, but there's often a death involved, and for us, it's a death to ourself. 
And I want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit, what, what are the things that need to die in me today? What are the things that I'm, I keep trying to resurrect? I, I keep trying to breathe new life in it. And God's saying, there's, there's nothing in that. It's, let it die. It's dead. It's gone. That's not part of you anymore. Or that's not part of the plan. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a good thing. God's going, that's not, that's not what I have for you. It's this. Instead of messing around with this, Walk in the way that I made you. Walk in the gifts and the talents and the passions that I placed into, into you. It's a new covenant, a new arrangement with God that we are now adopted sons, daughters of the Most High God. As we follow him, as we live for him. Lord, in this new covenant, Lord, I pray that we would not grow weary in well-doing. Lord, I pray that we would run to prayer. That in the times that we get alone, that though they can be refreshing, God, that we would, we would not cut it short, that we, we would allow it to be the fiery furnace that needs to burn things out. We would allow that process, that regenerative process to take place because, Lord, we need to be sharpened. There's a work in front of us that we need to be prepared for. We need to be prepared for because without it, we'll be overwhelmed. Without it, we'll be crushed. And you love us too much for that. Do your work in us as we walk in this new way, this new covenant as followers of Christ. Forgive us of our sin. Forgive us of the th things that we've spoken that did not honor you. Forgive us of the things that we've looked at that did not honor you. Forgive us, forgive us of things that we have ignored that you're calling us to bring attention to. And give us the courage and strength of the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do abundantly more than we could ever ask or hope for. In your name. Let's drink this together, amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And that's our prayer, Lord. And everything we do, that we would take it to you, that we would walk with you. So, Lord, as we head into this new year, Lord, we head into it with our eyes fixed on you. Fixed on you. And everyone said together, amen, amen. A couple things to do as we head into this week. Next week, we're talking about prayer. We're talking about fasting next week. But you can fast this week as well. Next week, we're going to be talking about it. But I'll just say a few tools. First of all, this week, some ways that we're going to be focusing on prayer is one is with prayer walking prayer walking. This can also be prayer driving. And if you go onto our church center app or you go onto our website, there's a downloadable prayer walking guide. Prayer walking is one of my favorite things to do. I'm going to be taking the pastors out Tuesday. Tuesday, we're going to be prayer walking and prayer, prayer, prayer driving. Pastor Steve, you can keep the van warm as we travel around. And uh, although you'll probably get it and be walking, so... Um, but as we, we're going to be prayer walking different areas of our city here in Shoreline, we're going to be prayer walking different areas of Seattle, and I encourage you to do the same. Just download that prayer that prayer guide. Uh, you you can drive around and do it. You can uh, you can do it even online, going to different peoples um, or different organizations, just praying from there. There's so many ways to do that. But just download it. Just a very practical way just to prayer walk this neighborhood and to prayer walk our city. And then, of course, next Sunday night, Encounter at 6 o'clock. Boy, do not miss that. 
I'm praying that our community would just come out and engage with that. Our youth will be there. We'll be there again afterwards. As many of you as want to, uh, we're going to break fast and we're going to meet up at Panera afterwards. So we encourage you to, to uh, do us there. They have great soup. For those of you that may be cold, you can go and engage it there. So some of you may be going there right now. So uh, be sure to be engaging with that and, and downloading that. And I would encourage you to share it. Share how you're praying. Share how you're engaging with that. When you share, when you tell the story, it encourages others to engage. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is our benediction. Let's say this together as we leave today and head into this new year. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.